Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, or should I say, Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 276. Or should I say, 276 is the number of the episode, and 110 is the age that I feel right now because I've been doing this fundraiser for what seems like 8,000 years, but that's not the point right now because, yes, it is episode 276. And tonight, we have two very special guests who have come a very, very, very long way to be with us. And I am thrilled to have them. I had to move mountains to find this tiny window of opportunity where the focus of my expertise and the focus of my guests' expertise would align enough for me to finally get them on the show. But fortunately, I can move mountains. I can swim oceans. I can do anything for them. You might have already guessed by now they have something to do with musicals because I've already made 15 musical theater references and the show's been on for 30 seconds. And you're right. Because tonight, we have guests visiting all the way from Australia. Yes, yes. And representing their entire continent. No pressure, guys. The Cheyenne and Audra of the Outback. True story. From the Musicals Taught Me Everything podcast, we have Zane C. Weber and Kristen Barrows. And they're going to be here to talk about the movie The Fan, starring Lauren Bacall as an you know, aging movie siren. She's trying to make a comeback on Broadway, but Michael Bean's a stalker who loves her so much that he really doesn't want to embarrass herself to, in this debacle of a show she's about to do. Oh, I'm just assuming that's what the plot is because it can't possibly be anything else. But anyway, we're not there yet. Because we have got to take care of some business first, and also we have some people to thank. Actually, before we do that, now I mentioned last time that I didn't know where I was going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. You know, I can't go home, blah, blah, boo-hoo. We all know that's up story. So what'd you do, Patrick? Well, I gotta tell you, it came as quite a surprise. Because I wound up spending Thanksgiving at the VD Clinic. No, not the actual VD Clinic. I meant at the VD Clinic podcast. Whoop. Okay, I had dinner with Vanessa McHenry. From the VD Clinic podcast. What, what, what do you people think? They would be open on Thanksgiving. Nobody has an emergency case of syphilis that needs to be taken care of right now on Thanksgiving. Be, God, I'm just thinking of that. Grandma, can you pass the turkey? She can't. She's at the clinic. Oh, God. <laughs> Gross. No, it was nice. It was nice. It went to her apartment. We hung out. There was drama in the hallway. It was all very SVU. It was cool. And I you know, just hung out, ate, drank lots of wine, watched bad movies, and talked and laughed and talked and laughed and talked and laughed. Oh, and if you're wondering if you're friends with Vanessa or you listen to the show and you want to get Vanessa something, I'm thinking that maybe what she really wants more than anything else are some broiler sheets. Okay, here's the thing. She cooked some some steak, and the second I got there, she just started apologizing endlessly for having to cook the steak without broiler sheets, and she seemed genuinely ashamed by it, and I'm looking at her going, do you not see the blank look on my face? I have no idea what you're talking about. I come from an Irish Catholic household. We don't do fancy things like broiler sheets. Are you crazy? Just throw it directly into the fire until it's burnt black. Done. Boiler sheets. All right. All right. But anyway, the thank you I wanted to say is thank you, Vanessa, for having me over for the holiday, which I would have spent by myself otherwise, and that's always an incredible bummer. 
huge bummer. And oh god, it was such a cold night. Oh god, it was terrible. Oh, I'm saying it like it was a long time ago. It was like four hours ago. It was like two in the morning right now. I let the wine wear off. Most of it, anyway. Before I sat down to record. Because God forbid I ever record under the influence of alcohol. Shut up. No, shut up. Don't say anything. I'm trying to impress the Australian people. I would never do such a thing. And it's taken me a while to get through this. Like, even though we're only like four minutes into the show, I've had to start and stop a lot because there's a lot of outside interference. Well, actually, no, that's not true. It's inside interference. There's just a lot of noise tonight. Louder than usual. And it occurred to me that, yeah, we had all the problems with the potathon this year, the, the October thing, and then losing the show for a month. And I realized we've missed a touchstone event on the Scream Queens calendar. I mean, it's happening. The thing, the, the, it's, it's still like, the thing is still going on. It's happening right now, but it's normally the first time this thing happens. It is caused to Labra here on the show. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Is my microphone picking it up? Because if you strain your ears and you listen really, really closely, you just might hear the sound of Stingy. Yeah, it's back. It's time for that old joke. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, the, 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 the when the Stingy. normally kicks on for the first time, it's in October. That's just when it starts to get chilly and it's time for the Stingy. to wake up and do its work. But we missed that. There wasn't a show. There was no way for you to convey this. And believe me, I would sit there, sit here, I should say, in my apartment during this dark period of my life when I had no show, no friends, no hope, and was just miserable as hell. And I'd hear the soft tinkling sounds of the Stingy. And it would make me sad. I'm supposed to be sharing the Stingy. with my listeners right now. And I can't do it. Stop taunting me. Stingy. But it turns out the Stingy. is a bitch goddess and will not be shut up because she just, just clanking away, clanking away, clanking away, and I thank her for it. You know, of course, those of you who are new or from Australia are probably going, what the fuck is going on right now? Okay, see, see here at the Scream Queens podcast. It's a podcast where horror gets gay. Early on, you know, the first year of this show, I got, I was trying to record and I got all freaked out because the Stingy. kept kicking on. And back then I was really concerned about background noise. Well, they can't hear anything. They have to think I live in a vacuum. No, I don't live in a vacuum. I live in an apartment with Stingy. and then I just realized I'm never going to get to the show if I don't just let this play. I just, it, just let it go. And I'm like, well, what if they think I have like somebody tied up in here or there's a prison or a scary scary ghost no it's not it's none of those things there's no hostage here no jacob marley isn't haunting my apartment no i'm not wearing big jangly earrings from the 90s no 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 it's just the sound of them and the joke is is that every time i mention the i play the musical clip of and i'll do it over and over again until you're so sick of hearing about that you're going to come to my apartment and punch me in the face if I say 
One more time. But I always say it one more time. And the thing is, hey, 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 Zane, Kristen, this is where it's fun being my position, being this weird entity of a person who's a mishmash of horror movies and musicals. And that person has a podcast because now I can inflict my musicals upon my horror community and there's nothing that they can do about it. So for 10 years, I've been making the... Stingy. 10 years the Stingy. Clanks on And I play the Stingy. Ad nauseum So I have long time listeners Who are never going to see the musical where Stingy. Is featured I'm not even sure if they know what musical Stingy. Is from And I guarantee you 90% of them have never heard any other part of his song, but... And really, what other parts do you need to know about? Every goddamn year I do this joke. Every goddamn year, nobody thinks it's funny about me and Joey Walker from Cocktails and Creep Post, but goddammit, I do it because tradition, 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 and... Yeah, jazz hot, baby. But as we learned during the potathon last year, there is more to the Stingy. than just whimsy and pure musical joy. There's the darker message of the Stingy. in that in this particular building, when the Stingy. kicks on, it's kicking on because the temperature outside had dropped below 40 degrees. It's the building's way of saying, hello, it's officially winter. That was two months ago. It's a hell of a lot colder now than it was then. And I've talked on the show already about some of the stuff that happened. Like we had one of those polar vo- uh, we had one of those polar vortex things a few weeks ago. That was when I walked to McDonald's and I thought that I'd forgotten to put pants on because it didn't feel like I had pants on because it was that cold. When I was wearing four totally separate coats at the same time and was still freezing to death. That's how cold it's been. No, it's not that cold now, but there's something just as awful about the cold now. It's actually kind of worse. The polar vortex you can brace for and prepare for, like putting on four coats and no pants, even though that didn't happen. Shut up! Like, for instance, these past few days, and, and Thanksgiving was actually the first day this particular cold... Shut up. If you ask Alexa, oh shit, I just woke her up. Don't answer me. Shut up. Shut up, bitch. I'm not talking to you. If you happen to ask, or if the weather report, let's say, says that it's 35 degrees, perhaps, like it did today, on the surface, that's true. And you're going to say, what is it, windshield? Not exactly. There is this very, very slight breeze. Like, it's not windy. It's a breeze. But this breeze, I've never felt anything colder. And it's this weird sort of cold. I've bundled up against it. It just goes right through. When I was coming home from Vanessa's, I was going to take the subway. And it was, um, I think, 40-minute wait for the subway. And I said, mm Nope, 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 I'm going to take an Uber just because this thing is, this cold is just eating right through everything that I have on right now. 
And it's that kind of cold. It's not even that, oh, it's so cold, I'm chilly, I'm freezing. It hurts. Like, this cold hurts. And I'm just running around today going to, like, the supermarket for smoochy stuff. And I, 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 could, I was actually involuntarily screaming every time the breeze picked up because it was awful. Like I said, I'm wearing layers. Like I said, 30 degrees, that's like what? No, I'm wearing, I'm wearing two sweatshirts, a jacket, and a coat, and I'm still cold. Now it's just a 20-minute walk. I can't imagine if I had to sleep on the streets tonight. And I know some of you are saying, oh, if you just, why don't you just go to a shelter? In theory, that's all great. Here's the thing. I forget the numbers because I'm not, it's, it's a million o'clock in the morning and I'm not looking them up. It is something like 400,000 people need beds tonight. 400,000 people need to get in out of the cold tonight. In out of that creeping, like vicious, insidious, slimy, awful cold that's out there right now. They need to get out of it. 400,000 of them, there are 4,000 beds. I don't do math. What is that, 1%? Great. And also, I've talked about this in podcasts and a podathons previous. The people who work at these shelters, when they were surveyed, they said overwhelmingly, no, shelters are not a safe place for LGBT people to be. So do you go sleep out in the street and face the cold? Or do you go into a shelter maybe get stabbed in the middle of the night or have somebody try to rape the gay out of you? Because that's happened. Some of the kids that I, you know, that I volunteered with tell me horror stories about what goes on there. I get it. But they shouldn't have to. I mean, I mean, just... And now, of course... As I said in a few weeks, whatever that episode was with him, okay, great, that's great, but what if the shelter is government-owned, right? Because what if they're getting a grant from the Health and Human Rights Association who are now legally 100% allowed to say, no, you can't have gay people there because religious freedom. It's even harder to get a fucking, it's harder to get out of this cold and it just shouldn't be. And you know, just give. That's all I can ask you to do at this point. Just donate. Get one of these people somewhere. I don't care if it's $5. $5 will do a lot. Bit.ly slash SQPodNA. That will take you directly to the new alternatives donation site. You can make a donation there. If you're more comfortable using Facebook, by all means, there's a lovely event space made just for the count. Uh, well, the, well, there was one for the countdown, the Halloween countdown, but that's over. But there's a, for the everyday's Halloween fundraiser, and you can find that at bit.ly/sqpodfb. Scream Queens Pop, sc- Scream Queens Podcast Facebook. All those links are right there in the show notes. And I know I can see them on, you can see them on your player. So just get it over. Just, just rip the bandage off. Just do it now. Do it now. You'll forget. They'll forget later.
It's a live link. Just click on it now. Just do it now. Get it over with. Done. You'll feel better. I'll feel better. And somebody out there in that fucking cold will feel a hell of a lot better. And if you don't do it, I'm going to make sure the goddess of the... Takes a big hiss. Clank, clank in your face. Clank, clank. So I don't have any updates right now on the donations. Because, like I said, I'm not going to be here on Monday when the show airs. So I'm getting everything done in advance. And I hope when I come back that there's some significant changes in the amount of donations that are coming in. That is really starting to depress me. And I, I'm sorry, I, I get why. It's fatigue at this point. We've been, listeners of the show, we've been, I mean, I've been doing this since July, so I'm sick of it. So my enthusiasm is not where it should be. And plus, losing the show for a month, losing the potathon, thinking all that work was gone, it just took a lot of the wind out of me. I don't have the passion that I have for it. Now it's a chore. But I'm thinking we still have to do something. I'm still going to keep taking donations, but I think there's something else that we can do that might revitalize this a bit. Something a little more concrete. I mean, not that money's not concrete, but something that's just a little more tangible. Because when you say, hey, could you give money? People, I don't have any right now. It's the holidays. Yeah, I get that. But if maybe we phrase it differently and say, hey, could you buy a pair of... You know what? I'm not going to get into it now. I'm not going to. I just have an idea. I want to run it by the people at New Alternatives and see what they think. I've got a couple of things. I'm going to bounce them around. Uh, but let's just say changes for the way the rest of this thing is going to go are in. Changes happening. Changes happening. And if you're ever wondering what's happening, you just come up to me and you ask me. You just say, just say hey, Patrick, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. You guys are going to shoot me in the face this episode, I swear to God. We just did a musical episode. Now he's torturing us. Yes. Yes, I am. You know, I think I babbled enough for now. You know, I only have these half, half-assed thoughts about where things are going to go from here on out. And so why am I boring you with them now? Because I'm a crazy person. But you've already played... It's not going to get any better. Just start the show. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, Zane, Kristen, that's the other thing. Just when you think that... And he can't play the... One more time. I do. <laughs> and I... Okay, fine. All right, fine, fine. I relent. I give... I, I will not... Okay, let's just... Okay, okay. See, I forgot. Zane and Kristen are in Australia, and it's tomorrow there. Right now, so so they've been waiting in the waiting room a really long time. So I'm just I'm not gonna so I'm not going to torture them anymore. You guys are fair game though, but not them. Oh, and for those of you who are keeping track of this kind of thing, this interview segment is one of the ones that I recorded using Squadcast. In fact, it was I think this was the first segment I recorded for the Potathon. It was. It was. I'm pretty sure this was the first one, which means we recorded this all the way back. I think at the beginning of July. That is how long I've been sitting with this thing. Good gracious God, it's December right now. But that's not the point. The point is, this is one of those episodes. This is one I just want you to take a listen to. Remember, we're taking the compare and contrast thing. What's going on? What makes Squadcast so great? This is one that has been recorded with Squadcast. But what I do want to point out, this was during the period where I had gotten this new mic that I'm using right now, the one that's making me sound so sultry and sexy. But... I couldn't figure out how to get it to work properly. 
Remember this? So I'm still using that shitty, shitty headset mic that I had to use for so long. So that's what I'm using here, and you can absolutely hear it clear as day. But on the other hand, even though they're all the way in Australia, Zane and Kristen sound so close they might as well be sitting right here, sitting right here next to me, all snuggled up and cozy in my marsupial pouch. And could I have said something more disgusting? I don't think so. So we are going to bring them on, we're going to start the show, and we are going to talk about The Fan from 1981. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer, which wasn't really a trailer because I couldn't find an actual trailer. It's trailer adjacent. Dear Miss Ross, I know of all the famous men in your life, but I adore you as no other ever has. He's Lauren Bacall's number one fan. Sally, he's driving me crazy. Just ignore him from now on. Harmless. Now, he'll do anything to get her attention, even murder. My darling, it was over very quickly and I feel glad because I never wanted her to suffer. The important thing was to get her out of the way so that we could be together. You're dealing with a psychotic, potential killer. Am I safe, Inspector? Hello, Sally. I don't want to have to kill you. At the age of 50, I'm about to burst upon the world in a musical. Oh, yes. Just a minor detail. There's some fruitcake out there who apparently wants to kill me. Screen legend Lauren Bacall, James Garner, and Terminator's Michael Bain. He's after me now, isn't he? When obsession turns into madness, nothing can stop the fan. So for those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you will know that I'm one of those rare birds that love horror movies and glitzy musicals. And it is very rare for these two entities to meet but they're meeting tonight and to celebrate that i have two very special brand new first time guests to the show because well first of all everything that horror movies didn't teach me musicals taught me so you know basically musicals and horror movies taught me everything i know so it seems very appropriate that my very special guests today are from the fabulous australian podcast musicals taught me everything i know Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, let's give it up for Zane Weber and Kristen Barrows! Hello, everyone! (laughs) Hi, guys! Welcome to Scream Queens! Thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm very excited to have you here just because, A, musicals, and B, New Continent for the show. Yay! <laughs> you never had an Australian guest before? No, I've tried. I've tried. We'll probably make fun of him later because he keeps standing me up and he connected me to you guys. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And it's, no, and it, and it is certain kind of way. Well, you guys did that episode. Oh, God, my episode. My listeners are going to be so bored, but you know, this is what they don't pay for. <laughs> I listen, I've listened to you guys for a while, but I got really excited when you did Snoopy the Musical. Oh, wonderful. Oh. Yes. I'm sorry, Snoopy, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, the musical, because I did that show for four years. Oh, <laughs> wow. wow. Nobody knows that show, so I was so excited to relive that whole nightmare. <laughs> it was fun for a while. After a while, we're just like, please let it die. Please let it die. Please let it die. We don't want to show anymore, but it was nice to revisit it. Anyway, they don't care. They really don't care. <laughs> so before we go any further, why don't you explain to you guys, A, who you are and what goes on at musicals taught me everything I know. 
I, I run a podcast network and Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know was my first baby on the network. Um, I'm a big fan of musical theatre and I have a lot of musical theatre friends and there weren't any really good musical theatre podcasts so I thought I had to make one. And I'm very glad that he did because now I get <laughs> to talk musicals all the time. <laughs> Yay! Yay. And see, and here's the other thing. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you'll know that I'm a member of the Cut the Bullshit podcasting community. Zane is another member of that community, so he is another disciple of Jeremy Ann's. (laughs) (laughs) And it's creepy ice cream festations. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, look, everyone needs to have a thing, and that that is is his. (laughs) I tell him it's creepy, Jeremy. Why don't you come in and tell me your favorite kind of ice cream? No, it's creepy, Jeremy. No, it's weird. I don't like it. And Kristen is so adorable. I fell in love with her the first time I heard her. She's just so cute. And I've, and then it turns out she doesn't like horror movies, and I made her watch this, and I feel really bad. I'm afraid of horror movies. I'm afraid of a lot of things. Horror movies is just one of them. Okay. Well, it turns out you got a cut version. What? We'll get into that. I didn't realize this was the cut version. It was missing one Really graphic line. Good. Oh, only one line, not a scene? One line of dialogue. Mm, all right. <laughs> we'll get into that. And it's okay because I had a backup plan for when that point came up. I had to make it better because it was like one of those things I'm like, I can't believe this even made it into the movie. I can't, <laughs> believe, I can't believe this made it past the sense. It's a terrible line, but we'll get there. <laughs> so the movie that we are talking about is one that we are revisiting. Revisiting. What, what, what time is it? I have no idea. How much coffee have I had? Okay. is one that I'm revisiting from the first year of the show that I tortured Scott from the status fair with back in the day. The Fan. From 1981, starring screen legend Lauren Bacall and the terrifying music of Marvin Hamlish. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, looking looking for research on this before I watched it, uh, it, it's not the '96 film of the same name, which is admittedly no. a bit more terrifying. Thank yeah, that's you. a different. That's the, with Robert De Niro. Sorry, Kristen, you go. No, I didn't realize there was more than one. I'm glad we got the less terrifying one. <laughs> yeah, the other one's about sports. Ah. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know from and musicals is better than sports. Uh-huh. Absolutely. The thing is, this is what happened the last time I covered the movie. In my head, there's a hell of a lot more musical segments in it <laughs> because I want there to be. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. my favorite part. Like this music is this musical is awful. What are we watching? It's great. <laughs> so, since you two are the guests, you have a job. Mm-hmm. And since Zane did a lot of the talking for the intro, I'm going to make Kristen do it. I'm excited. Let's bring Kristen. It. Kristen, mm. you have 30 seconds mm. to give me a nice, tight, back of the DVD cover plot mm. summary of The Fan starring Lauren Bacall. The clock starts now. Uh, there's a guy who is in love with a, a classic film actress now turned stage actress who is about to be in an awful musical um, and he gets really crazy and starts killing a bunch of people until he tries to kill her and suddenly she's able to just talk him out of it. The end. Well done, Kristen. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. No, no. See, that's what happens because you guys are awake. It's like verbal diarrhea, but no, that was great. Well done. Well done. Bravo. Bravo. Yes. So that is pretty much the story. Yes. uh, Michael Bean making his movie debut is an obsessed fan of Lauren Bacall Mm. in this very strange movie that could have been called unfollowed tangents. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a really long movie with all these tangents that go nowhere and they're not even like red herrings. Yeah. No. no, they're just not the plot points that are just yeah. like like Hector Alonzado is great to see, but he go, his plot goes nowhere. James Gardner, his plot goes nowhere. It's just <laughs> weird it's movie. Weird. Yeah, it's so odd. <laughs> All the relationships well, in, the, in the movie are just crazy. Yeah, well, I kind of I mean, it's a weird time because you could see they wanted to do this classy thriller. Yes, but. Yeah. It's 1980, and the slashers are making huge amounts of money, and they were trying to bring the slasher to a different market and class it up, and they didn't. No. No. There's a – if you're going to make a slasher and a musical, have some slasher in the musical rather than just the musical adjacent. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, the movie I wanted to cover was Stage Fright. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes, yes. Which is a musical – about a slasher movie that's set at musical theater camp, which is also a full-blown musical. <laughs> that would have killed Kristen. Because that is gory. It's gory as hell. I appreciate uh, <laughs> the not watching that one. <laughs> so this is her fault. This is Kristen's father watching the fan. No, no, I do love this movie for all of its faults. I mean, because Lauren Bacall is selling. Oh, she tries. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she plays it. And also, I think it's cool, like even back in 1981, to see that they made a movie like this with an older actress yes and like a nice meaty role for it either yeah because it had been made like uh, by a different studio granted it's based on a book but had been made by a different studio in different circumstances she would have been a 20 year old ingenue mm-hmm. absolutely and all the victims would have been her, like her half dressed buxom dancer <laughs> friends see how i'm dancing this is how i'm dancing this is how i yeah, dance in musical <laughs> <laughs> this is like before noon shimmy that you're getting right now that you're not getting audience oh well oh well yeah it's a very strange but my guest when i covered this last time he said michael bean is so pretty in this movie it made his back teeth ache <laughs> well they do play that up a, a lot as well they know exactly yeah. how good looking he is oh yeah well i mean with all that peach lipstick they have him on them <laughs> which is really happened in the dvd copies yeah it's it's it probably made it a little bit easier to watch. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> it's true. I mean, he is attractive as hell, and I'm just so used to seeing him hard boiled, you know, post Terminator, because that's his thing now. He's always just so rugged and everything, and this is just so well waspy and wispy. And I think one of the problems with the movie is that you never get in his head enough. Mm-mm. You come in kind of halfway into his insanity i guess you you don't see it starting out and yeah because he's he's full crazy right from the start yeah which i'm fine with but the thing is you're getting a lot into his head the first half of the movie and then he drops out yeah yeah absolutely when you really need to be in his head a bit not because i this is one of those movies that i almost want to feel bad for him you know at the end of the day be like oh that poor guy was just so fucked up and now you almost want to feel bad for him too but no doesn't he just turns into a monster. and Yeah, I mean, if he had a tragic backstory and was just misguided and doing these terrible things for some, uh, like, terrible reason rather than just having an obsession, maybe you could feel sorry for him. Or if his sister had come back at any point and elaborated on that three seconds. Thank you. Thank you. And this is, this is me too. This is because the, the last show that I did before I went on hiatus, before I started working on all this potathon stuff, the last movie we covered was Can't Stop the Music. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The Village People musical. And I noticed there are some parallels. <laughs> 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 I 
because much like Steve Gutenberg, this guy works in a record store and is very disgruntled. Mm-hmm. Mm. And had he just instead of just like getting fired from his job like he did in this movie, had he just quit his job and gone roller boogieing down Seventh Avenue like <laughs> Steve Gutenberg did, it would have been a completely different movie. He would have met the village people. Everything would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't happen. And also, uh, Marvin Hamlish was discovered by Alan Carr, who was the producer of Grease and Can't Stop the Music and Grease 2 and all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, without Alan Carr, there would be no Marvin Hamlish, which means there would be no The Fan. Who is Marvin Hamlish, you guys? Because most my a lot of my listeners don't know musicals, and we keep throwing this name around. (laughs) We do, we do. You know what? I've just had a big old mind blank. Tim Rice also helped him out on this he one. was the lyrics yes he's the lyricist yes uh so ham hamlish is a, is of course a uh composer a musical theater a composer um but so he's done a lot of stuff not just in movies but also <laughs> on broadway uh emmy grammy oscar and tony awards yeah so he got <laughs> yeah no if you were alive in the 70s you were bombarded with Marvin Hamlish constantly. Because he, he composed for a chorus line and that's what he, he also won a Pulitzer for that one. Mm-hmm. So, so he's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's done uh, he, the music for Sophie's Choice, mm-hmm. um, then stuff for The Sting and The Way We Were. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, he's done a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, I'm not a huge Hamlish nerd. Um <laughs> But, but, yeah, he's one of the big names in the industry. It's okay if you are, Zane. It's okay. This is a safe space. Let it out. One day. Let it out. You, love, you love Marvin. You love Marvin. It's okay. But, we, yeah, we, we've just done an episode on a chorus line, and so we were just talking about uh, the process behind that and how, how yeah. Hamish, uh, yeah created that music, um, which was yeah, really good. One of my favorite old Saturday Night Live skits from the 70s, was they were talking about it was a, it was like a, a public service announcement about you know preventing choking, yeah, and, <laughs> and it was the Hamlet maneuver, yeah, yeah, <laughs> where if somebody's choking, you just start singing selections from a chorus line at them until they throw up. <laughs> uh, to to live in a world where where Saturday Night Live is making Broadway jokes, <laughs> thank you. Yes, and not Trump jokes, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oh, if only. Oh, golly. But somebody got the bright idea, like, let's do a slasher movie and use Marvin Hamlet's music because that's scary. Oh, no. Yeah. No, these things don't go together. They don't go. They don't go. They don't go. But that makes it better. But it makes it better. Yeah. I mean, this film, it was nominated for a Razzie for the song, right? Yeah, she did not win for Hearts Not Diamonds. <laughs> well, she didn't win the Razzie, but uh, she, she uh, it was at least nominated. So you have to be thankful for that. Anyone who knew... All the things I've done Wouldn't hesitate to say She's the lucky one But I need hearts Not diamonds You never understood Yeah, and Laura McCall herself was not happy With the movie She was apparently a lot Apparently a lot of the gore and violence was added After the fact yeah, because oh. she never sees a lot of the gore and violence in her scenes. It's just that kind of last one. No, no, she just <laughs> <laughs> she just kind of Lauren McCall's her way through it. She just kind of yeah. stands and poses. <laughs> of <course>. Dramatic dialogue <laughs> with various men in the room. Yeah. What I do, I do love that the musical that she's in is just her Lauren Bacalling. I mean, yeah. people, <laughs> this is what she does. <laughs> she just stands and poses, and the dancers do all the work. Oh gosh, I also love that this period 
particularly this time period and and when they would make movies about Broadway musicals, that the Broadway musicals never made a lick of sense. Like, what is this show about? <laughs> there was sequins, there was scaffolding, there was multicolored lights. That's all you really need to know. There's something no, about the- being amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, after all, I'm so glad you guys could be here, and I'm going to edit this back in later because it was hilarious. It would have been better to open the show with this because Zane, <laughs> Kristen, yes, here we are. For the night of our lifetimes, for the 23rd <laughs> night in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that song, <laughs> A Remarkable Woman, is pretty much one. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a cast version. Yeah. It's the same song. It's the same concept of a song. Yeah. She's not peripatetic. it's just remarkable (laughs) so okay let's get into the movie itself one of the things i adore about this movie and it's a weird thing to say it's got a brilliant opening credit sequence it does i was in i was really engaged in the opening credit sequence i love a good close-up on a typewriter the typewriter yeah i just well yeah it's am- like it's amazing. I will watch that all day, every day. There's something about it that's fascinating. But the voiceover over the top of it, I think it sets up the movie uh, in a completely different way than the movie ends up going. But you feel <laughs> like it's going to be pretty creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's a great Hitchcockian opening. It's really good, creepy just with zooming over the typewriter and all the memorabilia of Lauren McCall's. You know exactly what you're in for. Dear Miss Ross, I am your greatest fan. Because unlike the others, I want nothing from you. The only thing that matters to me is your happiness. And but I then you don't the get that. As well. <laughs> it was so dramatic and like, what is going on? Mm. What's on screen is not matching up with what the music is doing. Oh, well, the, the, actually, the score, I actually love the score from this as well. Pino de I can't ever pronounce his name. Pino de Janaria, Pino Janaria, Pino, Pino Grigio, whatever his name is. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> I mean, he did the score for Carrie. He does a lot of stuff. Italian composer. It's always just a little bit over the top in that Italian kind of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very. But something very rel- the, his the score is relentless. Never gets faster. Never gets nope. slower. Always coming at you. Yeah, yeah, like, I love yeah, it. It's, it's like Jaws, yeah. but not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the movie you get. <laughs> I also think it's fascinating that within the first five minutes of the movie, you get to see Lauren Bacall make a booty call. Yeah, right. Jake, thank God you're out. I really shouldn't do this. I have absolutely nothing to say except where the hell are you? Aren't you in California? I called last week and even the machine didn't answer. It's dark and late and lonely in this room. How long does this tape run? I guess I should get around to the message, which is generally being divorced from you is not exactly heaven every moment. And this is one of the off moments. <laughs> it was that was totally out of left field. Like, what is she doing? She's making a booty call to James Garner. What? <laughs> <laughs> little things like that make me happy i don't know because i'm a weirdo well but yeah so she, she's she's kind of think that she's going to have more of a relationship in like a booty call sense to uh uh what's his name to michael michael bean but 
No, they only meet in one scene. The end. The end. That's the <laughs> Pretty end. much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's the only time they do cross paths. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have it tough at all. She had it easy. Come on, girl. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think when you don't see his face too, then it gets into the next scene and you're like, is this the guy? Is, oh, oh, is this the guy? You were expecting someone a, a little less angelic. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting like someone a little dirtier, I guess. Grungy, <laughs> like... He doesn't look like he should work in a record store. He doesn't fit that whole list. Well, apparently all he does in the music store is take care of the musical comedy band. <laughs> he was very upset that the musical comedy band was way out of order because I can't imagine him knowing anything about anything else. No. In, his, in his sweater vest and a little time, like, oh, come on, girl. No, 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 no. Who hired you? Who hired you in this store? No, no, girl, no. But there's a just watching this for the millionth time. I caught some things that I thought were really cool. These tiny little touches. One of them was early on, where it's one of the many, many scenes where you're hearing him narrate one of his letters. Oh, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. the one where he's sitting in that maze of park benches at the Central Park yes uh, uh, amphitheater. I, and it's that overhead shot. And I thought it was really cool because like it, they made a rat maze. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And put him in the center of it. What a great visual for his state of mind that we never get any insight into whatsoever. <laughs> it was really, get, that shot was so out of, out of, uh, place? out of left, out of, yeah, out of place in that movie. Like they did well, very few things like that. The director, Michael uh, Ed Bianchi, for the most part, did commercials before this. And if I'm not mistaken, the big one that he did was the Dr. Pepper commercial with David Naughton. You know, I'm a pepper, drink Dr. Pepper, the big musical theater one. They're saluting peppers, tooting peppers. I'm a pepper man. Would you like to be a pepper, tooting pepper, Australian, so we don't actually we'll know. We'll Google that, that later. We'll see if it's on the YouTube's. Oh, it has. It's one of the most, it's one of the most famous commercials of all times. It's oh, all singing, all dancing, and it stars the American Werewolf in London as the Dr Pepper Kid. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a beautiful shot, and when he moved the benches out of the way, mm. he's, he's trying to claw his way out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. The other shot that I thought was amazing: there was that scene that they stole from Taxi Driver. Was um where he's trying to where he's rehearsing the um how he's gonna yell at his boss. Yes. Yeah, yeah. About that girl. Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> you got a minute? In other words, are you talking to me? You talking yeah. to me? You talking to me? Like you completely ripped this off from taxi driver and think we don't know. Yeah, but anyway, that's on the part right now. Speak the KB, but I'm it's a point where he actually confronts him, where he actually where he actually confronts the guy. The guy cuts him off. He's like, no, no, I got something to say to you first. And he starts telling him off. It's just a shot of Michael Bean's face. It's totally still and totally placid. And in the middle of it, just this vein in his forehead <laughs> starts to throb. Like, that was an amazing shot. <laughs> it was not there before. And all of a sudden, there's this throbbing vein. No yeah. change of expression. <laughs> this great shot of madness. These wonderful little moments that don't add to anything. No, I mean, Bacall hammed it up. But Michael Bean was no slouch in, the, in, the, in this movie. Like, he really... He did what he could with what he had, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't really get the connection. Mm. Like, why her? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's fandom. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. Okay, here's a question. Okay, okay. If you were going to go psycho fan about somebody on Broadway, who would it be? On Broadway. Mm. 
Is yours Audra? It has to be Audra. Yeah. Audra, Audra McDonald, yeah. Um, I think it would have to be Jeremy Jordan for me. <laughs> okay. 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 Mm. I think Audra would be able to kick my ass. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to back, back off from Audra. <laughs> but that's okay, Jeremy Jordan. I don't about people. I just, no. want to, I just want to be their friend. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just hang out a bit. That's how it starts, Zane. <laughs> mm, I, I, I don't want to call KB out. but I can see the scary face I'm doing right now, but you're getting my scary face. <laughs> okay. It's fine. We've all seen Jeremy Jordan. Yeah, he's beautiful. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Notice I'm not answering my own question. But <laughs> <laughs> so the basic plot is that she's just closed her Broadway, a Broadway show mm-hmm. at the late Morasco Theater. Uh, mm, which, um, yeah, which got torn down like right after this movie happened. Oh, oh wow. out of shame. <laughs> Oops, I dropped my coffee. Um <laughs> Yeah, because this movie, if we did not mention this before, it flopped and it flopped hard. Yeah, critically and <laughs> popularity. Well, wow. and also timing, timing, timing. They released it right after the assassination of John Lennon. Oh. And she lived in the Dakota at the time, and it was just the whole thing. It was. It yeah. seemed in poor taste, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you could have delayed it a bit, but they didn't. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> I said, just give it a moment, guys. Let everything settle. We need our money now. We <laughs> <laughs> spent too much on all the glitter sequin costumes for the opening number. <laughs> we have to do it for somebody. Somebody makes a slasher movie with Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> that would be horror. Oh my! <laughs> Although cats is coming, That's, guys. Cats is coming, so. So uh, we can only hope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> About 75 people have sent me that trailer this week. I mean, why are you sending this to me? Why? <laughs> no one needs to see that. Okay, sidebar, sidebar, tangent. <laughs> I used to work bartending at the Broadway theaters. Nice. Les Mis, the original production, was my home. And that first act was so long that they would send us out to do other intermissions <laughs> and come back in time for our own intermission. Yeah, yeah. And so if somebody and if somebody was out, sometimes they make it go and you know sub for their whole shift. That everybody dreaded being at the Winter Garden, where Cats was. Oh, <laughs> because if you were the sub, they made you work the first floor bar, and the first floor bar had to be attended at all times because there was no way to lock it, oh. and people would come up and steal booze. So you had to stand there and watch the whole damn show. No. <laughs> no. Every time, or at least the first act. And it was semi round. Yeah. And I would watch yeah. people nodding off, <laughs> reading their program, yeah. talking, looking all around, huffing, puffing, dead faces. And the lights would come up and they turn to each other and go, Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has been my experience with watching shows on Broadway. They will complain about the whole thing and then give it a standing ovation. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And then I'd be like, because I'd, I'd be bored and I'd be at intermission and be like, hey, step on up, get your jellical snacks and your jellical drinks, and I'd get blank face. Huh? My what you put it? Forget it. Forget it. My humor is <laughs> completely lost on you. Take, take your cookies and go. 
Well, I'm sorry that you had to experience that a number of times. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I'm like, why are we dogs? Why are the dogs now? It's not about dogs. Why is the whole part about dogs? What's happening? Anyway, we're not talking about cats. We're talking about the fam, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) My listeners are going to murder me for this episode. But again, this is what they don't pay for. Welcome to the Polygon, people. Patrick talks about Patrick. What Patrick wants because Patrick's giddy. Patrick's done too many of these this week as it is. (laughs) (laughs) Most valuable player. And this goes to Maureen Stapleton as her assistant. Oh, yes, absolutely. Love her. She yeah. saves this movie from being complete drag. The wow. only sane person in the room. Actually. What a delight. Yeah. yeah. And again, slightly older than what would have probably yeah, been cast if yeah. it had gone to a different... I love it. And it's perfect. They have great chemistry together. I, I buy the relationship. I could have watched a whole movie just about them. Yeah, in that apartment. She comes back in at the end after she's recovered from from the attack. From the after seeing the best plastic surgeon on the planet, apparently, because <laughs> there's not a scar, not a mark, nothing. She's she's bandaged up like a mummy for the whole movie, and we we're ahead of ourselves. Yeah, she won the Oscar that year, didn't she? But for a different movie, not for this she one. Did for Reds, right? Because she played the communist. Yeah, Emma Goldman. She played Emma Goldman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, so- she deserves it. You know, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful line ratings. I love when you get pissed off at somebody. She's like, what is this bliss shit? <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of lines that, like, Lauren Bacall keeps talking about, oh, it's, oh like, my life is not never-ending bliss, and being divorced to me was in heaven on earth, and it's always this kind of overly dramatic things that she's always there to be like, what are you talking about, bitch? Yeah. yeah. That, that, that back and forth is like, I, I pretty much wipe your ass. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. Like, let's be real for a minute, you mm. actor. Look how big your apartment <laughs> is. Oh, oh, God, that apartment is obscene. Yeah. How many it's doors? Obscene. One, one person, one person living it. <laughs> well, to be um, fair, that rehearsal studio with just that, all those, with that window frontage. You. Oh, you mean JoJo's dancing studio? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no Broadway company is rehearsing at JoJo's dancing studio. I don't know where the hell that was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, but well, no, that's pretty much standard size for a lot of them, but still, it was huge. But it turns out a friend of mine is in this. Oh, really? In the movie? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was in Chorus Line for a gabillion years. And brilliant dancer, and he's in occasionally in those scenes. Like the dancers keep changing. There's like three or four of them that stay the same. Yep, yeah. yep. Everybody else keeps changing. I'm like, oh, that's Troy. So I got very excited. I, I finally <laughs> spotted him. Yeah, I know what I know what he looks like now, not <laughs> X years ago. But yeah, it's funny. It was it was cute to see. I'm like, you're in the fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're in that Paris number. Ooh. Give it a but all is not well. In Paris. You're in the clamshell bed number. Oh, Troy. Oh. Won't you do it? Let's get to it. Hot love, baby, tonight. Oh, we'll come back to that. About that whole musical. Yeah, the, the, the plot is mind-boggling. Where, how did we get there? I don't know. The thing, this, this is what I caught this time around, is that at the end of Never Say Never, <laughs> when they come out to the curtain calls, I'm like, it's Lauren Bacall and the chorus. There's nobody else in the show. No. No. <laughs> There's nobody, nobody else. else. <laughs> what is this show about? <laughs> 
to be fair, I'm almost certain they spent one day recording all of those numbers on the stage and no more time. No. <laughs> probably, probably. Although they, I, I can't think of the, the um, choreographer's name. She was a hot choreographer. Still is. British woman whose name fell out of my head. Ella, um, bad choreographer. I'll, fi- I'll fix it in post. Ahem, excuse me once again, but this is Flem, Flem de Gargoyle, ruler of hell, master of the underworld, and ruler of your underpants. Yeah, I know what they said. Look, I've been waked from my slumber again because Patrick can't be bothered to Google anything. The choreographer for the movie The Fan was Gail Benedict, who is known for not only choreographing, but starring in shows such as 42nd Street, Me and My Girl, and many, many other things. You want to know more? Look at that yourself. I've got better things to do. Those mouths aren't going to get shit in by themselves, right? Someone has to shit in your mouth. And it's going to be me. Just you wait. Back to the show. But no, she was, she was big. She was, she was legit. But still, they're probably like, and just do this. Yeah, okay, I'm in the scaffolding. Just swing on it, whatever. Are you in high heels? Deal with it. Get up on the scaffolding. <laughs> 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 the steep ones, nobody will notice. No, I also got confused in the rehearsal scene, and I were jumping ahead a bit, but so many of the dancers were just wearing underwear. Like, it wasn't a leotard. It wasn't dancewear. It was just legit underwear. <laughs> like, when was this ever a thing? I, I'm just, I Welcome to the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes. Everyone's on cocaine. Anything goes. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that Lauren McCall did not like about it is, like, she did not like – she thought it was too gory. Which I think, like by now, by today's standards, it's pretty tame. Oh yeah, you barely see Anything. blood. Yeah, there's a little bit of blood in 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 the attack scenes, but like you don't. Yeah, it's this is. I was expecting a lot worse. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Particularly if someone gets stabbed in the throat, <laughs> I'm expecting a little bit of. Uh, <laughs> Back. A fountain. You yeah, I want a fountain. fountain Kristen wants her fountain. I love her already. <laughs> I love Kristen. That's why I love KB. That's why I picked her. <laughs> I that, when I was talking to Zane, I'm like, could we get KB to do this too? Because I really love KB. She's such a sweetheart. <laughs> Not that I want everybody else on the show. Uh, I just love your energy. You make me very happy. However, the pool, the, the attack in the pool mm. is the one that gets me because it's something visceral about it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, for those who don't know, she's she gets she gets his Lauren McCall starts dating like the one straight guy in the chorus. Questionable. <laughs> straight ever. Straight-ish guy. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm like, rock on. She's dating somebody half her age. Good for you, girl. Good for yeah. you. But of course, this isn't sitting well with Michael Bean. No. Who follows him to the YMCA. Speaking of the village people. Mm-hmm. And it all comes back to the village people. It always does. <laughs> And while he's swimming, Michael Bean swims underneath him and just holds up his razor. Yeah. yeah just, and the just, guy swims over it. Yeah. There's something visceral about that for me. It makes me cringe because I, I can actually feel like the burn of the chlorine and everything. I'm like, oh, oh. That, oh, that gets me. That gets me every time. That is the worst one, particularly because it's just come after um, him uh, slicing Val his cheek and expecting mm. that to kill her. <laughs> like, walks away and is like, Why it's done. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I think that it's. I think it's interesting too that he's not killing people at first. No, I think that makes sense that it's escalating. Yeah, but I think he believes that he has, like, 
finished her off in some way. That's the end of her capacity of her job. Yeah, it's just with the swimming pool attack. Like, I don't understand, one, how the swimmer didn't see him there or coming at him, and B, how he escaped. Like, they're all in Speedos slash skimpy swimwear. Um, It's not going to be hard to uh, spot the the razor (laughs) after the attack in the pool. I mean, I guess everyone's focused on the blood that's mm, coming. Perhaps, the perhaps I didn't consider the effect <laughs> of uh, blood in the pool. And they're always going to be more. Te- they're always going to be paying more attention to the guy in the speedo than the guy who's wearing his boxer shorts in the pool. Mm, true. true. Mm. It is the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I. The scene where he kills the maid, Elsa. Mm. Yes is where I noticed that this line, the most famous line, is missing. Okay. And hold on. I'm just going to take a moment to Google it to make sure I get it right. I'm going to apologize in advance because it is a gross, 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 <laughs> shockingly gross line. In this copy, he said something like, at the at, at the end of it, he was like, dearest bitch, I'm tired of thinking of ways of killing you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the actual print, he says, dearest bitch, do you see how accessible you are to me? How would you like to be fucked with a meat cleaver? Oh, mm, okay. That, I can see why that, that was replaced. <laughs> but it's not in most copies. I don't know why it's missing from this one. I'm kind of glad it is because I, I realized after I said it, I'm like, oh, okay. oh no. For Christian. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I think it would have actually given us more of an insight to how uh, – Mental he'd gotten. Well, I, like, I mean, it's, yeah, that is, it's a big escalation. It's a big escalation. It's a big escalation. And also because this is early 80s, F-bombs don't happen in movies very often. Yeah, yeah. There isn't one in this movie. And to drop it off with a meat cleaver attached to it, yeah. to Lauren Bacall? Yeah. How dare you, sir? To Lauren, classy-ass Bacall? I cannot – I mean, I, I adore Lauren Bacall, which is one of the movies I love this movie. She's just always classy, always elegant, can do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, she she had the uh, she had the problems with the script off with uh, with a movie afterwards, saying that it wasn't the script that she signed off on. I want to know what script she signed off on and yeah. what was added. Like that, uh, that- well, here's the thing: is I've read the book. Oh yeah, the book is sleazy. Um, the only thing that's novel <laughs> about the book. <laughs> Panzane, how you going? Mm. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm hilarious. The thing that's novel about the book is that it's told. I believe it's called missive style and that it's not dialogue. It's all like newspaper reports, diary reports, interviews, oh, yep, telegrams. Yep. Right. So it's all in things written by other people right. about this incident yeah, yeah. and she doesn't survive. Oh, wow. Okay. And by the way, my gay, her name in this is Sally Ross and everyone keeps yeah. calling her Miss Ross and all my gay friends will yell at me for not saying there is only one Miss Ross. <laughs> and it's not you. Okay. <laughs> All <in> one. <laughs> well, now you said it, so it's it, you, you've you've acknowledged it. <laughs> exactly. She didn't know. She didn't know. Lauren will go and get away with just about anything, but not with that. Can't get away with that. Not with that. You can't mess with Diana. This is the. This is my way of cushioning the meat cleaver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember when you guys talked about Silence the musical? 
me? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do remember. You know the big, the big musical number in that that everybody talks about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I can smell her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I spend a lot of times when I listen to your podcast yelling at you guys. <laughs> and it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's just because you guys, for the most part, didn't actually see the production because you're in Australia. Yeah. Yep. yep. This is one of the times like, oh, because whoever your guest was, was pontificating on how not funny that song was because it's one joke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, because you didn't see the staging. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear. I saw that show four times in different iterations. You never heard a word of it. <laughs> People were just howling, howling because you've got this incredibly brilliant team of comedians behind and in front of the scenes. And there is a dream ballet. There's Dream Lecter and Dream Clarice <laughs> doing this. I can smell her ballet, but and it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, that's what you're missing <laughs> because the, the song, the song is one joke. But the thing is, it's the staging that makes it brilliant. <laughs> Well, maybe. Well, kind, of like, that on. kind of like if you had a clamshell bed. <laughs> yeah, well, I still don't understand where this musical went. The 80s were, 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 were uh, an interesting time design-wise on Broadway. So interesting. Because well, I look at this, and what's that other movie, Staying Alive? The sequel to Staying mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever? I'm going, what is this musical about? Yeah. <laughs> Just a dance review? I can deal with that, but... It, <laughs> it's about manhood and growing up and sticking it to your father. Take right. that. And dad. obviously, so is this thing about it with Sally Ross. It's yeah. About oh. Growing up and sticking it to your father. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just that we need to see Never Say Never in its entirety before maybe. we oh, can. Maybe. Oh, please, God, no. Jesus. <laughs> That's all we need, KB. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we get the two songs by Marvin Hamlish and everything else by Louis St. Louis, whoever the fuck that is. <laughs> Because those other songs are dreadful. Yeah. dreadful. There's at least the two that we get are can't be fun. Mm. Yeah. I think they're fun. I mean, they're, they're corny and whatever, but those other ones, I'm like, what? Yeah. Hot <laughs> Love Baby Tonight? No. No. No, Lauren. No. Love that he, he, good old Douglas, came in at the last song. He didn't come and see the whole show. He just got there in time for her to sing the six-minute finale, hmm. had a moment, and then out he went. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he knew that he, he wanted to be there just so she could sing that song to him. To him. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured at this point he's seen enough of rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just come for the last song. And the ushers were like, yes, come on in. <laughs> Please, there's one song left. You'll there's enjoy a, it. You'll have a ball. <laughs> Please, you got to see this one. She's singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just want to talk about this too. Is that the thing is that's fun, funny? Is that you're like a Laura McCall's in a musical? She's not a singer, but won a Tony twice. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. in a musical. Again, different era. Like you could be a non-singer. Yeah, as, as off a musical back in the day. Oh, you'll win a Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, like, right after this, she was doing. Uh, actually, when the movie was out, maybe not. It was out. It was probably because I had. Se- it was probably running on cable, which is why I associated this. It was running on cable. Started running on cable the same time she was doing Woman of the Year on Broadway. And the night my parents went to see Woman of the Year, let me just underline this: every time my parents go to see anything, something horrible happens. 
Okay. Yeah, they went to see the king and I the night the lights went out like all over the world. Oh no! <laughs> like, the, like the, the time, like the entire eastern seaboard went black. Yeah, it was all in Manhattan. Was a riot scene for three days. That was that night. But yeah, but the, the night that they went to see that, uh, somebody, a fan of one of the chorus boys, Ooh. who was obsessed with him, dropped a cinder block on him from above <gasps> the stage door. Oh, jeez. And I've tried to find anything about that in the news, but I can't find anything. But I remember that happened very distinctly. What? Oh, wow. People are crazy. People I mean, are crazy. But apparently that was more love. They called it a fan, but that, that sounds like jilted lover to me. But mm. Mm. but still, that, still. It's intense. That is intense. Uh, I also love that they're smoking in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> smoking everywhere. And this is stupid, too. I don't know if you guys listen to um, Throwing Shade at all. I have. No, not recently, though. They're obsessed with Lauren McCall's coffee commercials. My favorite time of day is night. I love curling up with a rich cup of coffee. You think coffee and sleep don't mix? They do if it's high point. It's decaffeinated. And the flavor's marvelous. <laughs> Around the same time she was doing commercials for High Point Coffee, which was shitty, shitty, shitty instant coffee, and there's such bullshit commercials. She was like, I don't mind my f- – I look forward to my fifth cup just as much as I do my first cup. I'm Lauren Bacall. I don't have a digestive system. <laughs> These ridiculous commercials. She, start, she is pushing so many cups of coffee in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> she asks people, would you like a cup of coffee so, many, so often that I wondered if High Point pulled their product placement? <laughs> maybe yeah i need another cup of coffee she she's she's offering cup of coffee left and right with that lauren mccall and now i'm going to place my product and make some extra money and then it, it never, never, it, i don't know if that's true or not but it makes me happy look at these high point commercials they're terrible <laughs> <laughs> there was that one time that she decided she needed to walk somebody to the house store though so that oh, they didn't buy a yes, cup of coffee yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. That's That's why she lost the product placement when she said coffee would stunt your growth. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last scene that they were shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another, there's another great, there's another great scene at the dance studio before he attacks Bell, when he goes to deliver the letter to Sally in person and, yeah. and him, he and Bell ride up in the elevator together, not knowing who the other one is. Right. <laughs> great suspense scene. Like, it's a great Hitchcockian move. Like the audience yeah. is way ahead of the characters, but nothing comes of that either. <laughs> No, I mean that 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 could be the 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 tagline of this movie. It's like nothing comes of that. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and people also criticize the scene where Belle is attacked. They're like she's walking underground for so long, no subway stop is that long. And I said, since nobody who lives in New York, I know exactly what stop that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so actually, long. Was thinking that as I was watching, I was like, "Does this tunnel ever end?" Where no, is some she? of them don't. Some of them, I know exactly. That's the Times Square Eighth Avenue tunnel. Like that goes from like 40th Street to 45th Street on Eighth Avenue. Goes all the way down 42nd Street down to Times Square. So it's a really, really long maze of corridors. And I know now I was able to pinpoint exactly where she. I'm like, she's in the tunnel that goes down to my train. I know where she is. That's where she got attacked. And that's never that empty ever at any time. <laughs> <laughs> so often poor the Belle. case. Poor Bell. Poor Belle, but she healed well. Bless her heart. She, she did very well. 
I'm, I'm sure Lauren Paul could afford the, uh, the, the best plastic surgeon. As opposed to the poor maid who just got a little cut across here and was dead. Yep. I know. So much inconsistency. <laughs> I was wondering I'm like, this, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. For straight race, nothing. <laughs> she was very delicate. <laughs> so my cut this time. All right. The housekeeper's name was Ilsa. Mm-hmm. Mm. Later on at the opening, she's got she's replaced with Helga. Yes. So she's, she's she's got a new dramatic <laughs> domestic yeah. taking care of her now, who also gets killed. <laughs> and this is the movie that instilled in my head that everybody like whoever is working the box office door has to be named Pops. Like in life, like and I don't care. It's like you're gonna take this job. We're all gonna have to call you Pops. It's just the way it is, ma'am. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie is over two hours and it doesn't need to be like there's a whole scene where she like retreats to some cottage mm-hmm. and nothing, yeah. and nothing mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> nothing happens. I have thought she was in the woods the first, like for the first few scenes until she was seen on the beach. And I was like, why is this a safer option? <laughs> why? Because <laughs> you seems- can see him coming. Well, if it's a it's a if it's a Hamptons in the off season, there's nobody there. Which I'm guessing that's where she was. Why? Um, Why is that? A good I can idea? yeah. You can only guess that they have these locations set aside, uh, and so they they put these scenes in these locations. That's the only reason you can think of. Yeah, yeah, because no, they, they just don't go anywhere, it's, and like. <sighs> I mean, there's so much time spent with James Gardner, and his character means nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> They're just best friends, guy. Yeah, he's just best yeah, friends, guy. Do you I, think, oh, he'll come in and save her at the end? And no, he doesn't. I say, rock on, then he doesn't. Save yourself, girl. You got this. Yeah. You got this. You <laughs> don't need, to, you don't need no man coming in to save you at the end. You got this. <laughs> he's only been gone for 20 minutes, but it's the longest 20 minutes. If she's done her full face of makeup, she's changed, and then she gets attacked. Everyone else in the building has been massacred. <laughs> She's still not ready. <laughs> I mean, but I feel like Lauren Bacall sorry, was in a very different movie where she was, uh, where she's talking, where she's having these relationships with several different men and trying to figure out what life is for a, for an aging actress after this time. But yeah. none of that ever comes to anything or impacts the story at all. They're just no, people like, that she no. can talk to. Yeah, they, yeah, they're just here to protect me. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to me bitch about stuff. <laughs> but I suppose that's the whole thing. And she's 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 just give. <laughs> I actually try. I caught I caught something this time, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. She said something to James Gardner in her big in a big tirade, saying she's like, "I'm tired of being the taker." Yes. I want to be the giver. Like you just come in every now and then, and then you cheer me up, and then you go away. That's not a relationship. That's the Red Cross. Yeah. <laughs> and and she wants she wants to be able to give. She wants to give. She's able to give to. And I'm like, well, she gets okay. So she gets that at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gives him his moment. Oh. Actually, I people make fun of the showdown, and I like the showdown. That I don't mind turned, the showdown that yeah. she turned that she has her chasing as well as an older woman in heels can do. Mm. Yes, older one and he young can do, but that she turns on her femme fatale charm. Yes, <laughs> and that's how she gets him. I gave you everything. 
talk. Talk like the animal you are. Come on, Douglas. Here's your chance to be one of those foodlums that kill their victims for nothing. The thief who murders little old ladies for a quarter. Goddamn terrorist who slaughters innocent people. That's what you really are. Don't you think the world's had enough of it? Enough of people like you? Well, I've had it. It's not just me. We're all sick of this reign of terror. Sally. Not be a victim. Stop it, Sally. You're making me angry. Isn't that a pity? What was that, Douglas? Speak up. a little far-fetched for me. I was like, it was what? I... straight into his eyes and this very calm <laughs> delivery. This. Yes, in this otherwise very non-campy, <laughs> serious film, this moment was a little just too high concept too, for I, you. I just it had taken it out into the more serious <laughs> domain of the chase scene. True, the chase and whatever. But, you, know? you know? Even that was a little campy. It's true. <laughs> With the lighting and the falling and the yeah, yeah. the yeah. bowls on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although uh, it's one of those things that I wish a movie would tap into, because there is really something wonderfully creepy about an empty theater. Oh, absolutely! So yeah. much. I it's hate one of the most terrifying and wonderful places. Like you can feel the potential for magic, but also it's really fucking creepy and really dangerous in here. Yeah, there's definitely a ghost in here. That's that's <laughs> what's going through that's my head. That's why they're all haunted, time. man. That's why everybody thinks they're haunted because there's so much such a weird energy to an empty theater that no movie has really tapped into well. Like something no, that we just, again, just oh. like theater, you got to experience it live. <laughs> <laughs> it's not coming through on the videos. I don't get it. <laughs> Because it's a terrifying place. Like, you could die at any moment. Like, it's why there's that light on the stage, the ghost light. They even call it a ghost light. It's even got a scary name. <laughs> yeah. The it's, light to keep the ghosts away. It's, well, you need it. You're going to fall off the stage or something's going to fall on your head or something. Or something. Or anything. I going to come after you with a ice pick. Thank you. Oh, okay. it was a like, great razor, wasn't it? No, he had a different weapon for the. He switched to a straight blade. Yeah, he switched oh, to a straight blade, blade for the big finale. I guess he had to class it up. Like this is this is for shaving. I got to do something classy for opening night. For <laughs> opening night, if I'm going to be making an opening on Broadway, and like oh, forget it, it was dumb. I forget I said anything. I just got to skip Broadway. Just show now. I got to go back. No. <laughs> come back. Come back. I, I people make fun of her last line too, and I think it's great when he's, I mean, he's, he's colla- when he's collapsed in her arms. She's just going, "I love you, I love you, I love you." She just goes, "Of course you do," because <laughs> <laughs> everybody does. It's not special. You're just like everybody else. Everybody loves me. Of course you love me, you fucking idiot. 
And this is where this, the movie didn't go the one step further and show that she's done this to like several stalkers over her career. And this is how she gets them. They, and- she gets them to come after her and then she kills them. That would have been amazing. She puts another notch over her, her vanity mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Seven this week. <laughs> I'm going to drive one of them lesbians next time. <laughs> Yet another missed opportunity in this mm-hmm. Yet another missed opportunity. The fan, too. Lauren McCall's revenge. <laughs> <laughs> A remarkable slasher, yes. Oh my god, uh, this movie—it's just—it's mm, it comes so close. Yeah, like the first two acts, you're like hoping, hoping that they'll tie it all together, and it just yeah. really falls in a pile. Yeah, it does, and I think it's because you just never get like her character doesn't evolve much. No, no, no. you don't. And get neither much does from her. So you kind of need it on one side or the other. Yeah, you need you need some development on one end or the other, or or I don't know. It just is missing. Some, it just and also twenty minutes gotta go. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and at least four characters. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or at least kill them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so many people to kill, or fuck them with a meat cleaver, something, something. something. <laughs> the thing never follows through on anything, does he? I mean, he did kill a few people. He did KB. kill a few people. There was that. <laughs> he scene killed a lot of the- people on that last reel. I mean, I've seen that. Of course, I'm sorry. It's the gay podcast, and we're not talking about the gay kill. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What is happening? How did we get here?" Again, I said that a lot during this movie. <laughs> How did we get here? And then you got here because later, Patrick made and- you come here. Patrick brought you here. It's all <laughs> Patrick's fault. <laughs> but i just it just wasn't set up very well as with everything else also it's like the least sorry i sorry chris and i talked over you you keep going okay it's wrapped up really quickly and then that's that's that the end nobody like double checks any dna they don't we got this so what happens is he goes to a gay bar which is like the least gay gay bar in manhattan They couldn't afford a real gay bar. Mm-hmm. Too many secrets. <laughs> the thing is, watching it this time, knowing, like, because when you're first in the bar, you don't know it's a gay bar. Not. The guy next to him, if you ever watch this movie again, watch the guy sitting next to him. There's an older guy in a suit chewing on a straw who is eating Michael Bean up with a spoon, like eating him <laughs> alive with his eyes. Like if Michael Green had turned this way, it would have been a whole different movie. But no, he watched the guy playing pinball instead. But I guess because he was a better physical match. But yeah, he he seduces yeah. some guy at this gay bar because he's a close physical match. Takes him back to the roof of his apartment, kills him, sets him on fire, and's like, "Look, I killed myself, Sally, for you." And everyone's like, "Okay, he's dead. The end. Everything checks out. You'll be fine. Oh, that's totally fine." <laughs> You're right. No, I mean, DNA, DNA wasn't a thing at the time, but dental records sure were. Yeah. There was some sort of check they could have done, but no, an empty apartment and a burning body. That's enough. That's... Uh-huh. One with one with I mean, the, one I with mean, a slit throat, with a slit throat. Like that's a fire is not going to cover that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably be a better judge of this than me, Patrick, but like this whole movie felt a little queer baity to me. 
with the uh, with the, the the swimming pool Sand. hill at, at Earth, and then Sand. the shower scene. Saying you need to Google the production stills that they put out to advertise it. It's all Michael Bean in tidy whitey underwear that's nowhere in the movie. We, don't, we never, we only see him in those boxer shorts. No, it's all these scenes of him in bed I in see. his tidy whiteies and the typewriter, and you know, <laughs> very many, many different shots of it, and they're all over the place, and they're nowhere in the movie. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. I knew what they were well, doing. It was, it was 1981. I mean, uh, can't stop the music happened. Cruising it happened. There's a whole new market out there. It implied I mean, we can play with this now. We're allowed to play with this a little bit now. Sorry. <laughs> It does imply that he sent nude photos, like uh, Bell says that he sent pornography through the mail. Well, I do have the necessary equipment to make you very, very happy. All the necessary equipment. <laughs> oh, that's a creepy line. Such a creepy line. <laughs> In case you're wondering, I do have a penis. <laughs> but you already knew that because you know what? me. That's, that's the thing about every. No, we're like talking from the movie perspective. <laughs> Cover that, please. It's just in breaking news. <laughs> Man who likes musical has a penis. <laughs> uh, but the letters are, are comical. I do enjoy the letters. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You'll have reply. There's something about that. I'm just going, they're so well written and they're typed beautifully. <laughs> Because, like, for those who don't know, typewriters were a huge pain in the ass. You made one mistake, you had to do the whole thing over. (laughs) (laughs) Those were typed beautifully. They were. He knew exactly what he wanted to say. Well, he had a lot of spare time after he lost his job. He really did. And still could afford that gigantic. He had another gigantic apartment that you would never have with a record store job. (laughs) Not even in 1980. No, sir. No, sir. You'd be a shithole. So that's, yeah, I'm assuming he came from money. Look how white and blonde he was. Of it's course, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. True, the sweat tells all. <laughs> yeah, but it just like any backstory in him, like anything, like it never delves into his mental illness. And maybe that's the 2000, the, the 2019 view of it that we want. Yeah. Like that would have been, per- I mean, been perfect because we weren't that sophisticated. We're like, oh, he's just crazy. But now I just want to know more about him. I actually kind of want to feel as bad for him as I do for her. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, like, you know, I, I love it when it is a victim that you're conflicted about, a villain that you're conflicted about. I hate what you do. Well, the, uh, the hallmark of a good horror movie is, 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 a, is a villain that is compelling in some way. And that could break your heart. Just, yeah. yeah. Rather than just this person acting out randomly. Right. And that would have been a much more musical way to go as well. Give me something. Give, give him a ballad. Yeah. <laughs> give him a musical number. Yeah. We'll give him a Sweeney Todd breakdown moment, like that yeah. too. Yeah, that too. There's no, yeah, there's no real moment. I mean, there is a moment where he snaps, but it's very small. It's very small. I can't even remember where it is. He does a lot of face acting after he kills the maid in the bathroom. A oh, lot, a lot of face. Oh, what do you? He carves up that gorgeous painting. Mm. Yeah, I was crying, weeping for that painting. I'm like, oh, that's so gorgeous. That Art Deco painting of her that was gorgeous. Of course, oh, there's no. probably 85,000 of them on set. I could get them for a dollar on eBay. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I think we've done the fan. 
Or has the fan done us? Oh. It will never be done with me because, again, in like two years, I'll start thinking about it again and remember all the great musical sequences that don't actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> because my mind starts blending it with all that jazz. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Similar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could just remake the fan as a musical movie and just take it next level slasher. Look, look, I, I am... The, Lauren McCall is so compelling in this movie that I really want, <laughs> I really want this movie to be remade. Well, I With like her. this movie. <laughs> ooh, ooh! If they remade it, who would it be? Oh, actually, probably Charlize Theron. I, I would put as in the Lauren McCall. Um, um maybe she's a bit young. She's a bit young, and I, she, um, she's tough though. I would like mm. she. I would. I would have a hard time buying her. Well, then again, mm, she's tough nowadays. But she's been like. She, I'm also thinking her in Devil's Advocate, where she was so brilliantly vulnerable. Yeah, that was yeah. the first time she got my attention. I'm like, who was that girl? Who was just absolutely mm. mostly naked up there? She's got it in her. But these days, like, she's so involved, she's so connected with Kickass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would never buy her in okay. in Jeopardy, which is a weird thing it's to say. Uh-huh. I'm yeah, sorry, you're too I mean, strong a woman to be terrorized by a knife-wielding maniac. Sorry, <laughs> next. Oh, no, don't worry. In my reboot, she's definitely turning the tables on him at the end, and she's becoming the serial killer. <laughs> I at least wanted him to do a number as her. something. It was just stupid. No, that'd be terrible. It'd be terrible. It'd be obvious things. <laughs> I, in, in the fan parody that we're going to make. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With four exclamation marks. I mean, why not? I mean, if we could take a movie like the, the Silence of the Lambs and make it a parody musical, we could make a parody fan musical. Let's get on this. Parody, trademark that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's ours, guys. Don't take it. <laughs> you know you want to. Never say never, even though I just said never. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. I also like the final, I like the final image, too. It's corny. Yeah. That he's, that he's going to be watching. Cool? He's watching that movie. He's going to be watching that show forever. Just this corpse sitting yeah. in the theater. Yeah. yeah. It was nice that I you also brought like them that up she, like this. So you go. Yeah, and she walks up the aisle, like, also away from him so that he doesn't just, like, reach out and grab her as she's walking past. <laughs> like, it's uh, it's well shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but at the booth theater, and they actually use the booth theater. I love the booth. <laughs> Nice old theater. All right, so that's going to wrap things up. Where can people find Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know? Well, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter at Musicals Teach Me mm-hmm. um, or Musicals Taught Me Podcast uh, on Facebook. Or you can find us at our home on the web, that's not canon.com forward slash M-T-M-E-I-K. I think you got it all. Oh, send us an email because I love emails. Is that the email that you're sending to me, Patrick? Well, well. If I'm going to send you an email, I'm like, dear Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would you do if you got a voiceover just of one of those letters, KB? I selected uh, you. I selected you specifically for my podcast because I feel that we are meant to be together, Kristen. <laughs> We will soon be lovers. (laughs) We we will soon be lovers. I have all the equipment to make you very, very happy. Stop. (laughs) I I have this screwdriver. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, got, I got nothing fun. <laughs> and a bottle of fantastic window cleaner. I got nothing else. <laughs> That's all right. So you guys perform as well? Do you have shows coming up? Uh, not at the moment. No, uh, not at the moment. Uh, my year's pretty much cleaned out theatre-wise. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we are both performers, but also kind of on the production side of things as Excellent. well. Excellent. That's yeah. a good place to be. If you can't make, if you can't get cast, make your own damn work. Exactly. Nothing you can't get cast. You know what I meant. <laughs> you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Never mind. That didn't come we, out we right. Fix it. Post. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, <laughs> very few theater jobs. So thank you so much for joining me for this ridiculous little episode for helping me revisit this ridiculous little movie. Thank you so much for helping out the kids at New Alternatives, helping get this teenage LGBT homeless population under control because it is out of control. And before you go, Kristen, Zane, I have one more thing to say to you. Mm -hmm. Happy Halloween. Oh, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, as I bid adieu to my fabulous guests, Zane Weber and Kristen Barrows, I must inform you, it is 5.30 in the morning. I'm exhausted. I'm going on fumes. Whatever's coming out of my mouth is coming out of my mouth. I'm not going back and editing it at this point. I don't have it in me. Get your minds out of the gutter. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not having the energy in me. God damn it. Why are you so gross? I'm trying to do a nice show. Anyway, thank you so much, Zane and Kristen, for coming on the show. I've wanted to have musicals taught me everything on the podcast for quite some time. But like I said, our spheres of influence don't cross very often, even though they cross twice, technically, during this potathon fundraiser thingy. And I had booked, I'd gotten them, I'd gotten them to agree to do this ages ago. Well, then everything's ages ago now, because I recorded this episode with them, what, six months ago? And then it four months ago, their, their portion anyway. I haven't listened to it since, so I don't know if I've covered any of this on there or not. I'm not listening to it now. Deal with this. Uh, I've wanted to get them on the show for some time. Got them to a great, and it was all about picking a movie. So Kristen doesn't like really super gory things, so we settled on the fan. Great. I thought we had the musicals covered, but then when Michael Kalon became available, like normally he's off gallivanting all around the country doing his little theater thingies. When he was actually going to be in one place long enough to record an episode, I pounced. And the best one to entice him on the show with would be a musical theater one. So you guys got double musicals, okay? Don't yell at me. It was a gift for both of us. Zane, Christian, I hope your flight back to Australia was fabulous and exceedingly long, but with lots of free... I hope you took advantage of all the free complimentary cocktails that I had sent to you. I worked it out with the airlines. I got nothing. Babbling. I'm flat out babbling at this point. Anyway, that's going to wrap up pretty much everything for episode 276. But before we go, I have to say a huge thank you once again to everyone at Squadcast. Squadcast is, of course, their company. They provide remote podcasting interviews for professional podcasters like me. And so if you guys have been keeping track, almost every episode of these fundraisers were recorded with Squadcast. And just the sheer volume of them that were recorded in the sheer amount of time 
madness enough. They made it so much easier and so easy to edit. You know, everything's all time synced perfectly and there's never any fussing. There's never, there's an episode coming up that almost put me in my grave because we had to use another company. You'll know it when we get there because I'm going to bitch about it a lot. The fact that I don't have to do that anymore with Squadcast makes me happy. The fact that it's cool and super sexy makes me even happier. The fact that they're great customer service and they're like, like if there's a problem, like if what, like even if it's a problem, like one of your guests just can't figure it out because they're not technically inclined or whatever, maybe not a podcaster, boom, they're right there on that little app thing where you could talk to people. What is it? Telegram? Telegram? I got nothing. I got nothing. So why are you still talking? Good question. So as the sun rises over the city that never sleeps, I am going to sleep. I'm going to sleep for a couple of hours, and then I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to start driving. I don't know where I'm going. But I need to get out of town just for a while, clear my head, refocus, prioritize, and hopefully be in a better place than I am at the moment. Not that things are bad right now, but just I feel like I need a little shaking up. Shake me up. Hey, that wasn't a musical theater reference. That was the cars. Gosh, they're out of the building for five minutes. The magic of theater is gone. How about that? I hope, of course, when I come back that the donations have picked up. But I can't worry about that now because it's not in my control. I just have to walk away for a bit. Here's the thing, though. This is a thing going forward. I've said this before. My best publicity is you guys. Um, I can only do so much when it comes to getting the word out about what we're doing here and why we're doing it. When you, I, I would just ask, if nothing else, share. Share the posts of social media. Share what I'm doing in the episode. Just, just if nothing else. Just let people know. And always just make sure that there's something in there, in your posts, about new alternatives. And that we're doing this for homeless LGBT kids problem. And what a big problem it is. Because people don't know. And I'm tired of screaming it. Like, I'm just, I, I'm going to keep screaming it, but I need help. Like, this has been six months of this. And I just, right now, as dawn rises over New York, I can't handle it anymore. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But I have to, at least for a few more minutes. I just went to the supermarket to grab, I mean, to the 7-Eleven to just grab some snacks to give me energy for this last part. And you can see it worked really well. And that cold is just as bad as it was. Cutting through my coat and my jacket and my sweatshirt, I settling over my chest like something solid, not... I mean, I, cold's not even a gas. It's just a feel. I don't know. It's just, it was awful. It was awful. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're enjoying this, just please remember why I've done this. It's not just for your enjoyment. That's part of it, but it's supposed to make you say, hey, it's supposed to be a wake-up call. Wake up already. 2,000 downloads in the last episode. No donations. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. Okay, you know what, Patrick? Don't bitch about it anymore. Bitching's not going to get me anywhere. What's going to get me somewhere? Sleep. So, please, make my Monday when I come back. Let's see some cha-ching, cha-ching in those donation sites. Let me see the social media boards lighting up with all your retweets and reposts or whatever kind of thing, just letting people know that this is happening. That'll make me happy. And, of course, those donation links. Your choice of two bit.ly slash sqpod 
NA. That's for the regular new alternative site. goes right to them. And, of course, that SQ pod NA stands for Scream Queens Podcast New Alternatives. Ta-da! Simple science. It's like, a, it's like a chemistry formula, but without the drugs. What? Oh, yeah, the Facebook page. <laughs> that you can get to by going to bit.ly slash FB. Scream Queens Podcast Facebook. I forgot to thank the people at Captivate Audio. Okay, real quick, thank you to them. Thank you for making, again, everything so much simpler. Things have been so complicated with my podcasting for so long. I think it's, I still feel like I have some kind of Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome to those old companies who made everything so difficult and unfriendly and treated me like I was an idiot if I had a question. Listen, I'm just a podcaster. I'm not a, I'm not a technician. It's your job to be Help me with my problems. Don't make me feel like a dick and make me pay you for it. That's not cool. And guess what? If your if your podcast host does that to you, fuck them. Dump them. Go to Captivate FM. Get two weeks on me by using the link that's down in the show notes. And that's for Squadcast as well. Links for both of them are right there in the show notes. If you're tired of shitty sound, if you're tired of shitty customer service and a shitty app to get your, your podcast where it needs to be, go check out both of those companies because they will rock your world like they have rocked my mother man. Mother man? What the fuck? I'm going with it. All right. And with that, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, it's going to wrap up episode 276. Have a happy Thanksgiving weekend, even though it's over by now. By the time you're listening to this, I don't care. I hope it was happy anyway. And until next we meet, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place, but a little less creepy for people who need a break. Make the world a creepier place place in a fabulous way. You know what? Do gay magic, okay? Do gay magic. You know, you know what you do. Sit. I'm forgetting the Scream Queen's golden rule. I'm going to keep babbling. And babbling. And that's how the killer finds out where I am. And I don't get to the final reel. But, but, okay. So let's say it together, kids. Scream Queen's final rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Now shut up and go to bed. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches!